Hi, everybody. This is one of our one-shots. These are the episodes that we take a shorter look at a film that we don't give the full 15-minute treatment to. This week, we're doing Batman Beyond Return of the Joker, a 2000 animated film directed by Kurt Gita. I hope I'm saying his name right, Kurt Gita or Gita. And this was a Mike pick. Mike urged this upon me. Mike, what made you want me to watch this film and, and what brought you to it? I'm on a group text um, with a bunch of uh, early 30-somethings like myself who decided to sit down and watch a Zack Snyder's cut on HBO Max, uh, the new four-hour cut of Justice League. And uh, when I poo-pooed it, uh, I was called a a grump. And they asked me what the best thing to come out of DC was. And I said it was Batman Beyond Return of the Joker, uh, which is is why I, I came to this movie. Like quick commentary on the on the Zack Snyder thing before we jump into uh, Batman Beyond Re- Return of the Joker. There's a um, a certain charm that the Marvel movies have, for example, um, using celebrity alter egos to embody superhero characters. But the problem with all of Zack Snyder's like super slow moving, heavily saturated films is they're attempting to look animated. And so I, I felt if you're going to attempt to look animated anyway, you might as well have a movie with regular pacing that is animated and animated beautifully. I really liked the visual look of this uh, movie. I always liked that show uh, as a kid. And I think that there's some terrific voice acting and kind of super disturbing plot, um, you know, that that didn't quite fit. I, I think if I can say this, that the DC movies are an attempt to take very safe plot lines from the comics Um, and put, you know, Ben Affleck in the role of Batman. Whereas I feel like Batman Beyond Return of the Joker is the attempt to do the opposite. It's the attempt to take something from the comics that is as disturbing as it's supposed to be in the comics uh, and present it for for kids. Yeah, I I have um, no intention of watching the four-hour Justice League, Um, but this was great. And I think that, you know, I, I, I tend to, I know this divides people a lot. We're, we live in a divided nation, but I think the Marvel films are way better than the, the DC ones um, for, for a whole bunch of reasons. But I think this is, a, this was a terrific, terrific, I, you know, except for the Dark Knight movies, which are their own special category. But um, I think, I think this was terrific. I just finished watching it 10 minutes ago and I'm really glad you turned me on to it. I was so glad to watch actual animation and not computer animation and not bad claymation or, or things like, you know, it was, it was just beautiful animation. So the scenes when um, Terry McGinnis is, is flying his, the, the bat wing and everything is kind of red and black on the inside. It just, it just looked cool. It looked really great. His costume looked cool. The fights looked really good. And it was all, it was all beautiful two-dimensional animation. Yeah. It's so gorgeous. Um, Bruce Tim and his team that um, created the series that they made this, you know, obviously this movie has a different director, uh, but, the, sh- the underlying show comes from Batman, the animated series, which is one of the most awarded animated series ever. It's considered one of the pinnacles of animated entertainment because of the way that the universe is drawn, the kind of performances that they got out of the voice actors, including the two who uh, have returned for Batman Beyond being Kevin Conroy, known to my generation as the voice of Batman, and Mark Hamill, Luke Skywalker as the Joker, who um, fa- rather famously... Uh, his performances inform the way that they animate the Joker. Everybody kind kind of comes in professionally, sits down, reads the script, but he kind of paces his cell like a tiger. Like they've recorded him doing uh, voice acting. He'll he'll do, he'll do uh, live table reads sometimes for the audience, and he's he's totally over the top and in, embodying this this character, which is much better in my opinion than his actual acting. I think he is uh, as close to uh, the top of voice acting as you can you can possibly get. Yeah, when you watch this, you cannot, and you listen for it, but you can't hear a trace of of Mark Hamill that you know from interviews or from watching Star Wars. You cannot hear, you, you, there is no way a person would know that. 
No, and the and the joy of that is supposed to be that that the Joker's a true psychopath. He's not like the other Batman villains. He's he is a person hidden under so many layers of performance that the actual person is lost. And that's what happens to to Mark Hamill's stardom when he becomes the Joker. He's not Mark Hamill, the the former uh, boy wonder of uh, of Star Wars. He's some other entity. And how funny you say that because part of the, the big fun of the film is that the Joker has disappeared, except he's preserved his DNA in this microchip. So the, the Joker himself has faded away, but he's trying to come back. And that made me think of, you know, the, the great the great thing about, you know, Tim Drake being possessed by the Joker it makes you think about all these, you know, makes you think of The Exorcist and Hereditary, which we've covered as well. But it also reminded me of there was a plot line in the Spider-Man comic books. I don't know if you followed this a couple of years ago where Peter Parker, it was, it was for the 700th 700th issue of the amazing spider-man and i don't know if you if you were you familiar with what marvel did for this no what they did was they had doc octopus was dying and as he was dying through the machinations of the plot his soul kind of went into um he he robbed peter parker's soul and then he became the new spider-man and then doc ock was Spider-Man. And the writers all said, we're never bringing Peter Parker back. We're never bringing, now, of course, they brought him back, you know, two months later. But that was, that, you know, the idea that, that's what I loved about this too, was that um, anything goes, anything goes in, in the comic book universe you've created. And it doesn't matter who's in whose body or who does what. Um, you know, I remember when the four issue series in DC called The Death in the Family came out. And that was when Robin died. And it was like, like he really, really died. The Joker killed him. And it was all over the news. It was a big deal. Now, of course, we expect comic book characters to keep dying and coming back like characters on a soap opera. Yeah. I, and there's, you know, the famous issues, the killing joke in which yeah. um, Barbara, you know, not in this sure. universe, but the, the character of Barbara Gordon is shot through the, the spinal cord and becomes a different superhero named named Oracle. Um, but the, uh, the the thing that I liked most about this movie is just just as you said, it's very difficult for the movies because of how expensive their apparatus is to have consequences because consequences alienate audience members. And the thing that I liked about this movie, I'm not saying it's wild strawberries or something, but it is about (laughs) an old man's regret and and looking back and looking back on life. And the thing that Bruce Wayne remembers about being Batman is not um, youth or vitality or what it was like to fight these villains. It's the regret that he has that uh, Tim Drake was tortured uh, into insanity, which is again, it's kind of. You know, I think you just watched it. Yeah, you know, your kid's like twelve or thirteen or something. You yeah. know, it, and it's it's just kind of on the edge of what you'd what you'd want them to see, but enough over the line that it that it's okay. And there, there's kind of like a there's like a plot line, an unspoken plot line to the Batman Robin thing, which is you know, oh, oh how wacky of him it is to involve a kid in this, but that that plays it out to its fullest extent, which is. Now your Robin, former boy wonder, is a 40 or 50 year old man, and he's got to deal with the fact that a psychopath tortured him for three weeks. Yeah. So even if even if the brunt of that is not borne by the main character, it's still lurking somewhere in the in the background that there are actually consequences for actions. Yeah. And there's just like you said, it was I think the film does a great job of giving just enough of them. So that it's not watching, you know, something silly, but it's also not watching something that takes itself far too seriously and becomes ponderous. Which, which is my complaint with the film, Be, beyond the fact that it's ponderous for four hours and costs an extra seventy million dollars to produce. Yeah. Seventy million dollars. So thanks for turning me on to that, Mike. That was a that was a great great pick. If you want to check it out, it's on Amazon. Batman Beyond: Return of the Joker. Thanks, everybody. That show still holds up. 